Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Welcome back to another Closer Today with me, Monica Cox from MyMindfulMe.com, helping you get through the BS of infertility with one inspirational clip at a time. Now today we have on Brene Brown, and if you have not heard of Brene Brown, you are living under a rock. She is pretty amazing, and this is kind of one of my favorite clips from her because she talks about vulnerability and how much she hated it, and I can really, really relate to that because I still hate it. Um, uh, This was my biggest, biggest challenge when I started getting into mindset, meditation, you know, personal development, really, you know, digging into why I was having insecurities. And like I've said before, my infertility just highlighted all my bullshit that I just wasn't dealing with. And um, vulnerability is a big one, especially if um, you um, uh, like have been taught or subconsciously was taught that your feelings are invalid. So if you've listened to this podcast, you have heard me talk loads about how my parents used to tell me that Wendy the Whiner wasn't invited. And um, at a very young age, I was basically told that my feelings and my emotions whether they were valid or not valid, um, you know, I was probably just being a two-year-old brat, um, that my feelings just didn't matter. So I learned to shut down and, you know, I started telling myself I'm not a crier because I didn't want, I guess, to disappoint anyone. Um, And I put up a huge guard, right? You put up these like big walls in between you and other people and you have to be strong. And you know, if you show emotion, you're weak. And um, being vulnerable and allowing those walls to come down and expressing your real emotions um, to anyone, a therapist, perfect strangers, Um, for me, I found it the most difficult, my family and my friends, you know, I've talked to my mom a lot about this and she still, um, can't like completely wrap her head around how those little words had such a big impact. Um, and it is, it is a crazy thing, you know, that those little words did have that big of an impact. Um, but that's how your subconscious mind works and that's how, you know, in childhood, a child takes everything that you say um, with, you know, that you are God and that is the way it is. They ha- Their brain can't decipher between, like, if that was right statement or if that was a wrong statement. So your words, to especially to a child, are very, very powerful. So Brene talks about vulnerability and how during her time as a social care worker and all her research that she actually had to realize that she needed to deal with her own BS. And um, like I said, I completely relate to this and it's something I'm still 100% working on to this day. And um, I really hope that (laughs) there comes a day very soon that, 
you know, I can really, really, truly be 100% vulnerable with, um, you know, everyone. But yeah, I'm like, kind of like choking up. (laughs) Remember, I'm not a crier, but I am. I'm trying to change the narrative and say, no, I do cry. I do express these emotions. You know, these emotions that I'm having are valid. They might be ridiculous, but they are valid. So anyways, without further ado, here's Brene Brown. So I was very excited about this. And so I thought, you know what? This is the career for me because I am interested in some messy topics but I want to be able to make them not messy. I want to understand them. I want to hack into these things that I know are important and lay the code out for everyone to see. So where I started was with connection because by the time you're a social worker for 10 years, what you realize is that connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. This is, this is what it's all about. It doesn't matter whether you talk to people who work in social justice and mental health and abuse and neglect. What we know is that connection, the ability to feel connected, is neurobiologically, that's how we're wired, it's why we're here. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start with connection. Well, you know that, that situation where you get an evaluation from your boss and she tells you 37 things that you do really awesome and one thing that you can't, you know, an opportunity for growth? <laughs> Um, and all you can think about is that opportunity for growth, right? Well, apparently this is the way my work went as well, because when you ask people about love, they tell you about heartbreak. When you ask people about belonging, they'll tell you their most excruciating experiences of being excluded. And when you ask people about connection, the stories they told me were about disconnection. So very quickly, really about six weeks into this research, I ran into this unnamed thing that absolutely unraveled connection in a way that I didn't understand or had never seen. And so I pulled back out of the research and thought, I need to figure out what this is. And it turned out to be shame. And shame is really easily understood as the fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection. The things I can tell you about it, it's universal. We all have it. The only people who don't experience shame have no capacity for human empathy or connection. No one wants to talk about it, and the less you talk about it, the more you have it. What underpinned this shame, this I'm not good enough, which we all know that feeling, I'm not blank enough, I'm not thin enough, rich enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, promoted enough, Um, The thing that underpinned this was excruciating vulnerability. This idea of in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. And you know how I feel about vulnerability. I hate vulnerability. And so I thought, this is my chance to beat it back with my measuring stick. I'm going in. I'm going to figure this stuff out. I'm going to spend a year. I'm gonna totally deconstruct shame, I'm gonna understand how vulnerability works, and I'm gonna outsmart it. So I was ready, and I was really excited. As you know, it's not gonna turn out well. Um, (laughs) You know this. So I could tell you a lot about shame, but I'd have to borrow everyone else's time. But here's what I can tell you that it boils down to. And this may be one of the most important things that I've ever learned in the decade of doing this research. My one year has turned into 
six years. Thousands of stories, hundreds of long interviews, focus groups. At one point, people were sending me journal pages and sending me their stories. Um, thousands of pieces of data um, and six years. And I kind of got a handle on it. I kind of understood this is what shame is. This is how it works. I wrote a book. I published a theory, but something was not okay. Um, and what it was is that if I roughly took the people I interviewed and divided them into people who really have a sense of worthiness, that's what this comes down to, a sense of worthiness. They have a strong sense of love and belonging. And folks who struggle for it, and folks who are always wondering if they're good enough, there was only one variable that separated the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging and the people who really struggle for it, and that was the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging believe they're worthy of love and belonging. That's it. They believe they're worthy. And to me, the hard part of the one thing that keeps us out of connection is our fear that we're not worthy of connection was something that personally and professionally I felt like I needed to understand better. So what I did is I took all of the interviews where I saw worthiness, where I saw people living that way, and just looked at those. What do these people have in common? And I have, I have a slight office supply addiction, but that's another talk. Um, so I had a manila notebook, a manila folder, and I had a Sharpie. And I was like, what am I going to call this research? And the first words that came to my mind were wholehearted. These are kind of wholehearted people living from this deep sense of worthiness. So I wrote at the top of the manila folder. And I started looking at the data. In fact, I did it first in, this very four, in a four-day, very intensive data analysis where I went back, pulled these interviews, pulled the stories, pulled the incidents. What's the, what's the theme? What's the pattern? My husband left town with the kids. Um, <laughs> because I always go into this kind of Jackson Pollock crazy thing where I'm just like <laughs> writing and, and going in kind of just in my researcher mode. And so here's what I found. What they had in common was a sense of courage. And I want to separate courage and bravery for you for a minute. Courage, the original definition of courage, when it first came into the English language, it's from the Latin word cur, meaning heart. And the original definition was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. And so these folks had, very simply, the courage to be imperfect. They had the compassion to be kind to themselves first and then to others, because as it turns out, we can't practice compassion with other people if we can't treat ourselves kindly. And the last was they had connection, and this was the hard part, as a result of authenticity. They were willing to let go of who they thought they should be in order to be who they were which is you have to absolutely do that for connection. The other thing that they had in common was this. They fully embraced vulnerability. They believed that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. They didn't talk about vulnerability being comfortable, nor did they really talk about it being excruciating, as I had heard earlier in the shame interviewing. They just talked about it being necessary. They talked about the willingness 
to say I love you first. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to breathe through waiting for the doctor to call after your mammogram. The willing to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. They thought this was fundamental. I personally thought it was betrayal. Um, I could not believe I had pledged allegiance to research. Where our job, you know, the definition of research is to control, control and predict, to study phenomenon for the, reason, for the ex explicit reason to control and predict. And now my very, you know, my mission to control and predict had turned up the answer that the way to live is with vulnerability and to stop controlling and predicting. This led to a little breakdown. <laughs> which actually looked more like this. Um, and it did. It led to a, I call it a breakdown, my therapist calls it a spiritual awakening. <laughs> spiritual awakening sounds better than breakdown, but I assure you it was a breakdown. And I had to put my data away and go find a therapist. Let me tell you something. You know who you are when you call your friends and say, I think I need to see somebody who, do you have any recommendations? Because about five of my friends are like, woo, I wouldn't want to be your therapist. Um, <laughs> like, what does that mean? And they're like, I'm just saying, you know, like, don't bring your measuring stick. Uh, like, okay. So I found a therapist. My first meeting with her, Diana, I brought in my list of the way the wholehearted live. And I sat down and she said, you know, how are you? And I said, I'm great, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And she said, what's going on? And I said, and this is a therapist who sees therapists because we have to go to those because their BS meters are good. Um, <laughs> and so I said, here's the thing, I'm struggling. And she said, what's the struggle? And I said, well, I have a vulnerability issue and, you know, and I know that vulnerability is kind of the core of shame and fear and our struggle for worthiness, but it appears that it's also the birthplace of joy, of creativity, of belonging, of love, and I, I think I have a problem, and I just, I need some help. And I said, but here's the thing, no family stuff, no childhood shit, I just, I just need some strategies. Thank you. Um, so she goes like this. And then I said, it's bad, right? And she said, it's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. And I said, oh my God, this is going to suck. Um, and it did and it didn't. Um, and it took about a year. And you know how there are people that like when they realize that vulnerability and tenderness are important, that they kind of surrender and walk into it? A, that's not me. And B, I don't even hang out with people like that. Uh, for me, it was a year-long street fight. It was a slugfest. Vulnerability pushed, I pushed back. I lost um, the fight, but probably won my life back. 
And so then I went back into the research and spent the next couple of years really trying to understand what they, the wholehearted, um, what the choices they were making and, and what, what, is, what, what are we doing with vulnerability? Why do we struggle with it so much? Am I alone in struggling with vulnerability? No. So this is what I learned. We numb vulnerability. When we're waiting for the call, it was funny, I sent something out on Twitter and on Facebook that says, how would you define vulnerability? What makes you feel vulnerable? And within an hour and a half, I had 150 responses. Because um, I wanted to know, you know, what, what's out there? Having to ask my husband for help because I'm sick and we're newly married. Um, initiating sex with my husband. Initiating sex with my wife. Being turned down. Asking someone out. Waiting for the doctor to call back. Getting laid off. Laying off people. This is the world we live in. We live in a vulnerable world. Um, and one of the ways we deal with it is we numb vulnerability. And I think there's evidence, and it's not the only reason this evidence exists, but I think that there, it's a, a, a huge cause. We are the most in debt, obese, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in US history. The problem is, and I learned this from the research, that you cannot selectively numb emotion. You can't say, here's the bad stuff. Here's vulnerability, here's grief, here's shame, here's fear, here's disappointment. I don't want to feel these. I'm going to have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. <laughs> I don't want to feel these. And I know that's, no I know that's knowing laughter. I, I hack into your lives for a living. I know that's, <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> You can't numb those hard feelings without numbing the other affects or emotions. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we numb joy. We numb gratitude. We numb happiness. And then we are miserable and we are looking for purpose and meaning. And then we feel vulnerable. So then we have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. I love that clip. It is so good and so powerful. Um, it is, like I said, one of the hardest things that I have dealt with and am still dealing with. But um, I'm telling you, it is opening up new doors that I never knew were shut in the first place. So I highly recommend starting your path to becoming a little bit more vulnerable with yourself. Um, so if you want to connect with Brene Brown, you can go over to her website, which is just BreneBrown.com. Um, if you want to listen to the whole clip, it's a lot longer um, than what I have put up. It's called The Power of Vulnerability, and you can um, easily access that on my YouTube channel, which is the Fertility Reconnect um, channel, and it's underneath... Uh, closer today, um, the Infertile Diagnosis Podcast. Um, you can also um, head over to my Amazon shop where I have put um, a few of her books inside the mind and soul section. The Gift of Imperfection, letting go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. I highly recommend that. 
So if you want to connect more with me, you know where I'm at. I am at the website, mymindfulme.com. Sign up to the email list. We got loads of freebies going over there. And right now you can actually explore the Fertility Reconnect course um, as I put it up and I'm slowly putting up. It's a big, big course um, packed with so much information that you are probably desperate for if you have unexplained infertility or are dealing with a really big autoimmune issue. So go over there, check it out. And once again, thank you so much for hanging out with me on this Tuesday. I hope you guys have a beautiful week and we'll see you on Friday for another episode of the Infertile Diagnosis.